0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Revelation 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven And soar by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, earth what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there will be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten Eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is active and alive, sharpened in a two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. I'm discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Father, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. Abba, we hide your word in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Your word is flawless. It is perfect, and your word is life. Father, your word became flesh, walked among us, laid down his life, took it up again, and gave us Holy Spirit as our helper, as our teacher, and as our guide. Holy Spirit, you are the revelator. Bring us in, bring us into the deep mysteries of God, bring us close because you desire to give this to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe seated. I usually don't write down my prayers, but I was praying the other day, and I just felt that the Lord wanted me to pray the word of God. Um, Happy Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Amen. It's Pentecost today. And many times we hear about Pentecost and a great sermon was spoken and over 3,000 people were saved. And that's what we call Pentecost. But in reality, there's a heritage, there's a rich heritage in Pentecost. And that is that Holy Spirit was introduced to us. Holy Spirit came down and... And became a part of us so that we can have Jesus in us. Amen. And so that's the beautiful part. And I want you guys to really hold on to that. Um, <clears throat> so here we are. We're in the midst of the ending of the sixth trumpet. In the midst of the ending of the second woe. Affliction and suffering has come. A third of mankind has been eliminated by the four angels that were prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year. As Pastor Bill was sharing a couple weeks ago, God's movement and his plans are slow, precise, and calculated. The Lord is confronting the Antichrist here. He's confronting his empire. It is the destruction of Babylon's systems. Spiritual Israel is coming out of captivity And so is the church, from spiritual Babylon to a greater light. Can I hear someone say amen? Amen. The Lord is confronting wickedness, and in the midst of this confrontation, the Lord is still being patient, giving opportunity for people to repent. And the Bible says that man still did not repent. They still did not repent. We're 11 weeks in into this book, and as I was praying and preparing, my heart was challenged, and I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted me to challenge us today and say, do not take this book for granted. Do not take these chapters that we've been eating and that we've been consuming and we've been journaling on for granted. Many of us are probably journaling in chapter 20 already, chapter 19, and we have moved so fast that we haven't taken the time to process what it is that the Lord is showing us here, the gift that God has given us in this book. And I want us to move slow through it because I can't, I can't even begin to imagine everything that was happening here and men still did not repent. They still didn't see it. And we're not under this type of persecution. We're not under this type of judgment. We're not under this type of pressure. And it is very easy for us to move very quickly from what has been pouring out into our flock. And miss, what is God asking of us through this book? What is God commanding? What is God asking? What does God want? Where do we need to die? Have we still not repented? Have we still not done self-inventory? Are we still dabbling, still playing around, still? The first trumpet wiped out a third of the trees and the grass. The second, a third of the sea creatures and boats. The third, bitterness infected the waters. And the fourth struck the cosmos, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And the Bible says in Revelation 8-13 that... Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Whoa, whoa, whoa to dwell to those who dwell on earth at the blast of the other trumpet said the three angels are about to blow. What? We just just the land, the sea, the boats, the cosmos, the waters have been affected. And the eagle is crying out, woe to the three that are coming. And to think for one minute, that man still did not repent. Pastor Chris spoke last week, Revelations 9, 5 through 6. People were looking for death and could not find it. They were looking for death and death fled from them. This is where we are, guys. I want to make sure that we don't miss these important things that we are talking about. That we don't just take it for granted and flippantly say, oh, this is great, great information. What is God challenging us to do? Martin Luther, who is a father of the faith, who many of us glean from, we love and respect and honor, had this quote about Revelation. Revelation. Finally, let everyone think of it as his own spirit leads him. My spirit cannot accommodate itself to this book. For me, this is reason enough not to think highly of it. Christ is neither taught nor known in it. Martin Luther said this. Martin Luther said this. An intelligent man of God whom we look, up to and if he was very oblivious to what was happening here in revelation so can we 12 years later he changed his position on this but clearly he went to his grave not thinking much about this book can you imagine that can you imagine that he said it neither shows or teaches and the very first verse in the letter is the revelation of jesus christ Who are we to think that we cannot fall asleep and just take it for granted? Our church is doing revelation too. You know, I I was uh, talking to someone the other day and they were like, our church is doing revelation too. And I just, I just, I just wanted to say it's not the same thing. (laughs) I really wanted to say it's not the same thing. As As I began to talk to them about what they were going through and learning, I'm like, yeah, it's not the same thing here. We're not talking about the same thing. Chapter 10 is getting getting us ready for the seventh trumpet. It's getting us ready for the final woe. The Lord knew we needed a break. Right. All this, all this happening on the earth, a third of this and a third of that third of this. I mean, Jesus was really confronting the Antichrist. He was taking away his resources. Jesus was basically letting them know, I created these things. And these things that make you powerful, money and land and sea, I will take it away. There was a confrontation happening here between Jesus and the Antichrist. And we are unveiling these trumpets. And he says, let's take a break. Let me me give you guys a break. And at the same time, mercy and grace for people who still had not repented. So we come into this interlude. This interlude here in Revelation 10 in verse 1. I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillar, pillars of fire. It's believed that this angel has appeared twice before. Twice before. Revelation chapter 7 verse 1. After this, I saw four angels. Everybody say four angels. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who have been given power to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. It's believed that this is the same angel. He appeared here as a form of a prophet. Coming down and confronting four other angels that have been given power, yet he was sealed. With the seal from heaven and began to cry out and say, you will not harm the earth and the sea. You will wait. We see him taking a position of a prophet. Revelation 8, verse 3. We see him again. And another angel came and stood at the altar the golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there was peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Here we see this, this same angel taking the place as a, of a priest. Coming into the altar with incense and offering the prayer of the saints before the father. And then taking that and casting it upon the earth. And then we fast forward here to to chapter 10, where now he is representing a king, right? He's clothed in clouds. He's got this rainbow. His face is shining, almost kind of like the the same description of Jesus in chapter 1. And one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, showing authority and power as a king. Because of his descriptions, many people believe that this angel is Jesus, It is Jesus coming in the representation of an angel. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying many believe. Because of his description coming down from heaven clothed with clouds causes some people to believe that this is Jesus. Clouds often represented the presence of God in his word. We see that in Revelations 1 through 7. And I I should have forewarned you. I, I hope you have a pen. I have a lot of verses for you today. A Sunday morning sermon is an infomercial. Just so you guys know, you're just getting some information here. The true meat of what you get from this word happens during the week when you dive back into it and you journal. It doesn't happen in these 45 to 60 minutes. So I hope you have a pen to take out, take, take down these scriptures because I can't read them all. If not, we'll run out of time. Revelations 1:7. you see there the clouds. There's clouds. They represent the presence of God. Exodus. Exodus 19.9, Exodus 24.15, Exodus 34.5, and finally Acts 1.9, and when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him. Out of their sight. Clouds have often represented the presence of God. Then he had a rainbow. A rainbow on his head. I'm not going to give you any verses on this one. Just want to keep it light and say that when you see this rainbow, God is constantly reminding us that he's a God of covenant. He's a God of promise. He says what he means, and he means what he says. Can I hear somebody say amen? And his face was like the sun. Right? His face was like the sun. We see that. In Revelations 1, when it's describing Jesus, we also see that in Matthew 17, Mount Mount of Transfiguration, I think it's verse 2, Matthew 17, verse 2, where he's on on the mountain there, and Moses and Elijah show up, and the disciples come up, and they look at Jesus, and his face is shining as bright as the sun. And then his feet, his legs are burning with fire. These represent pillars. It it represents that it is a support. And only Jesus can can burn with fire and not collapse. Can I hear somebody say amen? amen? These pillars are burning and he's standing one foot on land, one foot on sea. There's an authority there that is happening. So a lot of people believe that this angel was really Jesus. Now, can this angel be a mighty angel like Michael? coming down in the presence of God in the clouds? And because when the sun shines through the clouds, it creates a rainbow? And could it be that this angel has been given authority to bring God's judgment and to display God's authority on the earth? What's the answer to that? Yes. So it can be Jesus, or it can just be an angel representing Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Revelation 5-2, there's another mighty angel. And when you do a deep study on that, it's not Jesus. It's just a mighty angel. So, one thing is certain He's either Jesus or he's an angel. But he has a little book. Everybody say, little book. Look to your the other neighbor. Tell him, little book. He has a little book. And that's the point. That's the point. We don't want to get so caught up in all of these other things that we miss the fact that he has a little book. This is the same book described in Revelations 5.5. 5. But there in Revelations 5.5, 5, the seal has been broken. His judgments were released. Prophecies being fulfilled. Understanding that he means what he says, and he says what he means. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 12. we We're going to read through that. Daniel chapter 12 is a reference to what's happening here with this little book. There are actually 300, about 300 references in the book of Revelation about the Old Testament. It's pretty intense, right? About 300 references in the book of Revelation about the Old Testament. This is one of them. Daniel chapter 12. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen, been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn away to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Talking about this little book. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream he raised his right hand. Sound familiar? He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things will be finished. I heard but did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord. What shall be the outcome of these things? What shall be the outcome? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And when we read through this chapter in Daniel, it's a clear reference to what's happening here. As you see the similarity of this angel also raising up his hand and swearing, making an oath. And here in Daniel 12, the oath was, it is sealed, and that's it. And it is set for an appointed time. And you fast forward to Revelation 10, and the angel is swearing, saying, no, it is open. And it is a mystery, and it will happen. And it's going to happen. It's very interesting how we see this correlation here, that in Daniel 12, 4, the book was sealed. In Revelation uh, 5, the book is open. Daniel 12, 4, the book is closed, but in Revelation 10, 2, the book is open. Daniel twelve four the book is closed but in Revelation twenty two ten the book is open and in, D- in Daniel twelve eight he's asking what well, what what what's going to happen it's for an appointed time it's for an appointed time we're going to get into that a little bit and he called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring verses three and four of Revelation chapter ten and he called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring when he called out the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Do not write it down. For the first time, John is being asked, what you hear, do not disclose it. Do not disclose it. It said that his voice was loud like a lion roaring. A lion's roar can reach 114 decibels. This is twice the amount of the safe hearing levels for humans. Generally speaking, any sound above 85 decibels will damage a human's hearing over time. A lion's roar can be heard as far as five miles away. And we're talking about a lion. This is an angel that sounded like a lion. There were seven specific messages in the thunders. And rest assured, if you can hear a lion's roar five miles away, the whole earth will echo with these seven messages. Can I hear somebody say amen? When you when we, when, we hear, when we hear the word thunder, descriptions about thunder and God's word, it's talking about the voice of God. The voice of God, that's what it's talking about when it's talking about thunder. It's very important that we know that because it is a constant reference in God's word. It says here in Psalms 29, you can write this down, Psalms 29, the whole chapter. I'm not going to read it, but I'll read a few verses. Psalms 29 says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, the glory, due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thugs. Listen, I have, a, I have a theory. I, I'm, I'm, I grew up playing baseball. And I know, listen, don't, don't crucify me for this. Like, I know that you know superstition You know, is not of the Lord. But I grew up playing baseball. And you just don't step on that white line before the game starts. You just don't do that. You don't get your uniform dirty until that first pitch, okay, because there can be some repercussions in baseball, right? That's what we believed. And so I'm a firm believer. Every time I come up here, I'm like, don't give me number one. You got to give me. We got a mic. It says number two. And that's what, you see? It's the prophet in me. I didn't even know I had that. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Job 37, 1 through 5. Job 37, write that down. Job 37, 1 through 5. Job, Job 40, verse 9. Psalms 77, 18. Psalms 104.7 talks about the Lord's voice being in a thunder. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read to you Job 37, 1 through 5. And this also my heart trembles. At this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole heaven, he lets it go. And His lightning to the corners of the earth. After it, his voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice. And he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. And he does great things that he cannot comprehend. It is important that we not only read this verse, that we intake this verse, but that you see the passion in this verse. Have you met God this way? Have he ever spoken to you this way? You may say, well, you know, it's for an appointed time. Maybe it's not meant to be. Have you asked? Have you asked, God, God, I want you to speak to me like this. At this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place. This is a man just like you and I hearing the voice of God. In this way. It's a thunderous voice. The book of Revelation is also known as a book of symbols. Why? Because symbols transcend time. The symbols of the ancient times are still speaking to us today. The number seven is found about 54 times in the book of Revelation. About 54 times you find the number seven. I want you to get excited about this because I don't want us to overlook. We've been in this thing for 11 weeks, guys, 11 weeks. And it should it should cause a trembling inside of us when we read this stuff. It's been a tough couple of weeks, mass shootings, people dying, senseless killings. And on top of that, two years of madness with with this thing called covid. And we nearly do not face the pressures that these people are going to face in the end times. And they still did not repent. It is important for us to realize that we can take this very lightly. There's seven churches in the book of Revelation. Seven spirits, seven candlesticks, seven stars, seven lamps, seven seals, seven horns. Seven eyes, seven angels, seven trumpets, seven thunders, seven thousands, seven heads, seven crowds, seven plagues, seven vials, seven mountains, seven kings, seven beatitudes, seven years of judgment, seven divisions of each of the seven letters, seven. God is perfect. The man who was tasked to write this book in the book of John, there are seven I am's in the book of John. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am the resurrection. Glory be to God. On this Pentecost Sunday, how many thank God for his resurrection, right? He died and he atoned for our sin. But if he would have never resurrected, his resurrection is power over sin and death forever. Forever. That's our inheritance. John 6.35. John 8.12. John 10.7-9. Get this. Get this. Listen, we want to feed you here. We want you to do your homework. I'm not going to read them for you. Amen? Take it home. Journal. If you're on chapter 17, rewind back to chapter 10. Open up that journal and get in there. John 10, 11. John 10, 14, John eleven twenty five, 25, John 14, 6, John 15, 1 through 5. Watch the replay and you'll get them again. I am, I am, I am, I am. It is also believed that there are seven I am's of Christ in the book of Revelation. It all depends. Everybody say, but. but. It all depends what's, what tr- translation you're reading. If you read New King James and King James, there are seven I am's of Christ in Revelation. If you don't read those, then it might not be there. <laughs> the seventh. <laughs> Praise God. That's between you and the Father. Amen. I, I made my peace with that. But you'll find that in Revelation 1.8. Revelation 1.11. Revelation 1.17. Revelation 1 Revelation Revelation 21, 6. Revelation twenty two thirteen, 13. Revelation twenty two sixteen. 16. The seven I am's of Christ in Revelation. There's seven different songs. Seven different benedictions. Seven beatitudes in Revelation. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip over those today. It's a majestic book. About 46 times the word throne is mentioned. 37 times King. Is mentioned, power and authority over forty times. How many know Jesus is not in the manger anymore, and he's not riding a donkey back into the city? Can I hear somebody say Amen? There are seven promises to overcomers in the Book of Revelation. Seven promises to overcomers. Are you an overcomer today? Do you feel like an overcomer today? Does this world feel like you're an overcomer today? Does America sound like it's an overcomer today? This is the culture. This is what we're surrounded by. The terror of those of us that have little kids, that send our kids to school for nine hours a day, being taught who knows what by who. Do we feel like conquerors? Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're backslidden, you walked away, you've been missing the mark, you're not sure. I want to encourage you, if you want to feel like an overcomer, be washed in the blood. The Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the testimony, and did not love their lives unto death. You want to feel like an overcomer, you come to Jesus, and you say, Jesus, wash me in your blood, cleanse me, sanctify me, make me white as snow, I repent of my sins, I want to be new again, and you will feel like an overcomer. I will never forget that day. I will never forget what Jesus did in my life. I will never forget where i supposed to be today without him and because jesus washed me in his blood there's so much goodness for me to testify i can tell you about the times we didn't have diapers i can tell you about the time that we had to we had to we had, we just had to trust god because we didn't have nobody to help us and god provided for us to have diapers for our kids I can tell you about the times that we were sick and God healed us. I can tell you about times that we were demonically attacked and they had no idea what we were doing. And we woke up in the middle of the night fighting demons. I can tell you of salvations that happened in the hood in Bridgeport, Connecticut and treasures came out of darkness into his marvelous light. I got so many things to testify about. And some of you have been saved for decades and decades. And there's an archive, a roller decks. Some of you don't even know what that is. A roller decks of testimonies inside of you that you can testify of his goodness. You want to feel like an overcomer? Testify about him. Talk about him. Brag about him. Tell people how good he's been to you. And you will feel like an overcomer. (laughs) Woo! And lastly, love your life not unto death. Love your life not unto death. I was rocked to the core of my being two weeks ago. I still can't get over it. When Pastor Bill was talking about what if we had seven more years? Who was here for that? What if we only had seven more years? How would you respond? How would your life change? Would you result to self-preservation? Oh, I'm going to go on vacations, and I'm just going to focus on my family, and I'm not going to worry about all these things that God is asking us to do because I only got seven more years left. I know I had two little baby girls. Those little baby girls were in my arms. They both sneezed. Destiny was born January 22nd. I held her. She sneezed. I felt some type of way. Elisa, three years later, was born on May 22nd. I held her. And she sneezed. I felt some type of way again. Those are my baby girls. Those are my baby girls. Self-preservation. What am I gonna do for the next seven years? I got a little grandbaby that I can't even I can't even think about leaving him for more than two days. My wife wants to go away for anniversary for four days in July, and I'm like, can we do like two? And she's like, boy. And I'm like, all right, baby, we're gonna do four. We're gonna do four. We're gonna do four. And I'm already thinking, like, man, can we FaceTime? Maybe can we, like, you know, Elisa, why don't you just show up? We're going to be in Cocoa Beach. Here's the address, you know. Like, I want to be around my little baby, my little grandbaby. He's amazing. He's awesome. But is that the only important thing in my life? What about what God has called me to do? Loving my life not unto death and understanding that everything that I have and that I love and that is important to me, I only have it because he gave it to me. And so I owe him this over here. I owe you my life, Lord. What are you calling me to do? It is important for us to understand these things. Goodness gracious. Feels like time flew by faster this time around. The angel, verse, verse, let's, let's keep going in Revelation. Um, Revelation five, uh, 10 verse 5. And the angel whom I saw standing at the sea, on the sea and the land, raised his right hand to heaven, right? Just like Daniel, swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, earth what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there will be no more delay. Everybody say, no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to the servant the prophets. This is, this is a simple interpretation here, Right? The, the thunder sound, John's going to write it down. The voice says, don't write it down. And then the angel says, whoa, make no mistake about it. Just because you're not writing it down doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So I'm letting you know right now, but the authority invested in me, and I swear by him who created this and created that and created this, when that seventh trumpet sounds, these things will be revealed. Again. Urban Youth Impact, God says what he means, and he means what he says. Verse 8, then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me, saying, Go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him, Give me the little scroll. Everybody say, Give it to me. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. This is the season that we're in, guys. This is it. This is the season that we're in. Right? He says, give it to me. Give me this little scroll. Give it to me. And that's what we're asking the Lord in this season, these past 11 weeks, and for the next couple of months, we're asking him to give us this book of revelation. And we're saying, give it to us. Give it to us, Lord. Show us. Teach us. We're not just dependent on Pastor Chris and on Pastor Bill and on Nestor, but, Lord, Holy Spirit, give it to us. The Holy Spirit of Pentecost, give it to us. Give me this book. Teach me. Change my posture. Change my movement. We're asking him, give it to me. Say, give it to me. This little book, the Bible, we're asking the Lord, give it to me. I caution you, if God has been calling you to minister, to be a preacher, to be a teacher, to speak this word, I caution you. Eat this word and become one with it before you stand back here. Let it deal with you, convict you, break you, change you, and strip you first. Give it to me. But that calling to eat it and become one with it is not just for the preacher or the teacher or the evangelist or the prophet or the apostle. It is for everyone in this room. It is ours forever. It is our gift for life. In him we move. In him we live. In him we have our being. Men that are in this room. Men that are in this room. For you to think for one minute. Let me just say this before I say that. I can walk up to a couple of men right here right now and say, hey, what up, pastor? And you'll be like, oh, nah, bro. Don't put that on me. You know, what up, prophet? Nah, 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 I'm not no prophet. For us to think that the office of a prophet or a pastor is greater than the office of a father. We have things miscalculated this western theology has messed us up and deconstruction has to take place because i am my wife's pastor i asked her the first service she said me but she's not here so was there a witness for the first service i am my wife's pastor and i don't do a very good job of it all the time you men are your children's pastor It is not our responsibility to raise your children in the way they should go. It is your responsibility. It is the responsibility of the minister behind the pulpit to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But it is your job to lead your family. And if your career and your job and your money and the sea and the boats and the trees and the cosmos are your priority, I come to tell you, my friend, all of that is fading away. There has to be a shift in our priority when we read this book that it shakes us to the core of what it is that God is calling us to do. Give me this little book. Give me this little book. I want to eat it. The bitterness. Why was he bitter? Let me tell you why he was not bitter first. Let me tell you why it was sweet as honey. Because John saw it. He knows what's in there. Oh, man. Jesus coming on his horse. The new kingdom. Forever and ever and ever eternal life with the king. The Jesus that we all love. Holding his hand. With our fingers intertwined, barefooted on the grass, feeling the dew of the morning between our toes, butterflies flying around. That's the Jesus that we want. And it is sweet. It is sweet. It is a beautiful thing. But let me tell you why it's bitter. Because John is seeing that people still will not repent. And Luke chapter 12. And Luke chapter 12. Jesus, I believe it's 12, 32 through 40. Jesus says, uh, it's somewhere in Luke. He said, in Luke 12, he says, he says, you can interpret the weather. But I'm right here. I'm right here. You can interpret the weather and cannot see that I am the one you've been waiting for. The bitterness in John's stomach We see that in Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. And Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 14. You see that Ezekiel eats the scroll. He's sent to go prophesy to Israel. Israel is being stubborn. And he is removed by the Holy Spirit. And when he's removed, there's a bitterness. He's embittered because they're stubborn and won't listen. Jeremiah 15 Verse 16, the Bible says he ate the words that were given to him. And we know Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Amen? Because it's believed that no one came to Christ during his ministry. Nobody turned. Nobody repented. I heard a great man of God once say, Jeremiah wasn't the weeping prophet because he wept. He was the weeping prophet because God wept through him. Because God is patient and God is kind. How do we see him today? John in chapter 1 turned around to see the trumpet. You guys remember this 11 weeks ago? He turned around to see the voice as a trumpet when he looked on Jesus. He fell on his face. When was the last time you saw him like this? When was the last time I saw him like this? I want to see him like that. I do. I do. I, 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 I want to be rocked, man. The heartache of man not understanding why little children are being sensitively murdered. Why these atrocities? Why these evils? How many know we choose faith? How many know we choose faith? We don't have explanations. But we choose faith to believe that the word of God says where the enemy comes in like a flood God will raise up a standard. Who's the standard? Who's the standard? We're the standard. We are that standard. My brother, uh, Piper, brother in Christ in Texas, posted that he was over there at the memorial of this mass shooting with these children. And one of the things he said, he said, man, Nestor, the church is here. The church is here. People are crying on their shoulders. They're praying for people, man. I was was just so overcome with emotion just to know that the church is doing what they're supposed to do, that they are the standard. That where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds even more. In Luke chapter twelve, I want to read this to you, and we're going to get ready to close it. Give me a couple more minutes before I call the worship team. I don't want them standing up here. Luke chapter twelve. I want to read this to you. In this Pentecost Sunday, Luke twelve forty nine. It says. Lord help me to see. I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. The heart of Jesus, <laughs> of him saying these things. It would be easy to read this as Jesus cannot wait to bring judgment and just began to annihilate everything. No. It's Jesus cannot wait to have you. He cannot wait to be with his bride. And he's saying, man, how I would love for this to happen already. Right right before he goes on the cross, he's like, man, I just, I just, I can't, look, Father, let's do this, let's get the show on the road. I want to, I want to die, and I want to resurrect, and I want to conquer death and sin forever, and in turn, I'm giving them the Holy Spirit. So I can be in them, in them, not just far away, but in them, in each and every one of them. How amazing, it blows my mind, how amazing that all of us can right now shut our eyes and begin to pray, and he hears every single prayer individually. Wow. Wow, that's mind-blowing to me. For those of, you, for those of us that work at Urban Youth Impact and got 10, 15, 20, 30 kids in one classroom, Wow. For all of us to be praying at the same time. And Jesus says, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, Destiny. Quaylen, I, I got you. I got you, Quaylen," And then beginning to address us as we're all still praying at the same time. And Jesus is saying this. He's like, man, I, let's get this show on the road. And he begins, I'm, I'm not going to read it, but he begins to talk about, I, I, I didn't come to bring peace here, guys. Son will be against father, and father against, and mother against daughter, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and son. Why, why? When some of you guys came to Jesus, did it cause ripples in your family? Huh? Did it? Cause, I mean, some of our families came to Jesus, thank God, but some of our families it's like, here come their holy rollers. Here they come. Nestor and the Marist never come to a cookout because you know they're too good to listen to Tupac and Biggie, right? And it was like, no, it's, it's not that at all, right? And there was this, this judgment that was cast upon us because we came to Jesus. But when Jesus came, he came to disrupt the very things that you think that love you more than him. Can I hear somebody say amen? And he's saying your mama and your papa and your mother-in-law and your husband and your wife and even your little sinner kids don't love you more than me. And I come to disrupt all of that because I want you so badly. Worship team, come up, please. Whew. And through these verses in Luke 12 54 and 56, is when Jesus tells him, He's like, Man, y'all can interpret the weather, but y'all don't see that I'm here. I'm here. You don't see me? Remember Nicodemus? The priest, he knew. He was like, something. there's something different about you. You are from God, and Jesus gets to share with him the gospel. So, I want to read this to you in Luke 12 32. This is my challenge to you on Pentecost Sunday as we covered chapter 10 of Book Revelation, praying that. We do not take this book lightly and the rest of this study lightly. Listen to this in Luke 12, 32. Lord, give me grace. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure In the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Stay dressed. Everybody say, Stay dressed. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. And if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Stand with me this morning. Sir, if you could play. It's my challenge to you today. My challenge is as we dive into chapter 11 and 12, and the seventh trumpet is blown, we begin to read about this conflict between Jesus and the Antichrist. As we begin to read about things that are going to be pretty unbelievable, that we can only imagine them in movies. Don't fall asleep. Don't be flippant with this book. Allow this book to convict, to shatter everything in you. And say, Lord, I want to be positioned and I want to be dressed and I want to be ready and I want my lamp burning. And there's no other perfect day than today on Pentecost when he gave us the Holy Spirit. To say, Holy Spirit, come and burn in me. Give me this little book. And when I eat it, transform me. Prayer partners, come up. Father, in Jesus' name, you are a good father and you love us. Father, in Jesus' name, begin to posture our hearts. He who has ears to hear let him hear Holy Spirit you are our friend you are our guide you are the revelator Holy Spirit any man can stand up here and convince people to respond but you are the one that gives us a revelation and an experience that no one can take away from us come now Holy Spirit Do that work in every young man and every young woman and every marriage and every family and every man and every woman that is represented in this place. Bring those to Jesus that need to come to Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that on this Pentecost Sunday, it will not just be about a great message that was preached and a lot of souls were saved. But that we will give you the reverence and say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Lord, we do not want to be falling asleep during this book. We want to eat it, and we want that bitterness to rock our lives and cause us to move towards action. So I want to encourage you to come up if you need prayer. Prayer partners are up here. And if you just want to spend some time at the altar, you can come up and kneel down at the altar. But allow God to have his way in Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.